Why didn't they just say that before? Why did they... Okay, okay. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the first place I go to keep my business skills sharp. They offer over 150,000 books on business, finance, planning, and much more. They also have a great selection of fiction that keeps me entertained when I'm just not up for some serious content. I love it because I can buy a book, download it to my iPhone, and listen while running errands or at the gym. Get your free trial at freelancershow.com slash audible. This episode is brought to you by CodeSchool. CodeSchool offers interactive online courses in Ruby, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and iOS. Their courses are fun and interesting and include exercises for the student. To level up your development skills, go to freelancershow.com slash CodeSchool. This episode is brought to you by ProXPN. If you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you never know who might be listening. With ProXPN, you no longer have to worry. ProXPN is a VPN solution which sends all of your traffic over a secure connection to one of their servers around the world. To sign up, go to ProXPN.com and use the promo code TMTCS, short for Teach Me to Code Screencasts, to get 10% off for life. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 151 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. And Eric Davis. Hey. And I'm Reuven Lerner. And we have a special guest this week, Josh Earl. So, Josh. Hi there. Welcome to the show, and please uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. Um, I am a, uh, I'm a freelance copywriter and iOS developer. I live in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm also the author of two books, uh, two ebooks about Sublime Text. I run SublimeTextTips.com, which is a, uh, a, like a, an email newsletter about Sublime Text, uh, and we have about 61,000 subscribers right now. I also run two other mailing lists, which are much smaller than that. One for a site called deskhacks.com, which is a, uh, <clears throat> a site to help you switch to a standing desk. And the other one is my personal blog, joshuaearl.com. That's mostly about marketing. So let's ask you a bit about these email lists. So, so I mean, everyone talks about having an email list as a really important, good thing to have. Can you tell us a bit about how you started your list or lists and how have they been useful to you? Yeah, so I I first started getting into email marketing and email lists a couple years ago when I was working on my first ebook about Sublime Text. I just kind of started writing this book on a whim after reading a couple blog posts by Nathan Barry and uh, Jared Drysdale, and you know kind of got inspired and just started banging the thing out. And then I was getting close to the point where I thought I should release it, and I was like, gosh, I I probably need a plan to sell this thing. So I started researching and uh, reading some books about you know how to launch a book and I keeps kept seeing over and over you got to have an email list you got to have an email list so already since I was using for my book I was using a site called leanpub.com and um, they let you publish your book out of Dropbox basically and they kind of throw up they publish a, like a coming soon page for you and everything so I had actually kind of without even realizing it been collecting email addresses of people that were interested in my book they were just stumbling across my page on leanpub.com and uh, signing up to get notified when I released it. So I ended up collecting around 150 names or 180 names on that. And when I came, when it came time to do my release, I sent an email to that list with a discount code. Said, "Hey, you know, it's here's the beta version of it." And like, I think like 40% of them bought the book. And then I got, um, I also talked to uh, Peter Cooper. 
And of course, he has a bunch of huge lists, and he put an announcement about my book in one of his, his newsletters, and I sold like another 50 copies of the book from that. So at that point, I kind of, I realized, okay, this is where it's at. I had a small Twitter following for my Sublime account, and I only sold like, I think maybe five copies of the book from that. I had several thousand followers. So the ROI on email and email newsletters, just it was really obvious to me that that was the place that I needed to be. So from there, I was like, okay, well, I want to keep marketing this book. So I just found ways, uh, several different ways to continue to build the Sublime list, mainly using Twitter, some like kind of blogging, like a content marketing type of strategy. And then where I really hit it big was over the summer... I, uh, I ran a contest for a free copy of Sublime Text that went bananas. It blew up all over the internet. And I ended up getting 187,991 emails from that. I've since kind of pared that down to people who are super interested in what I have to say. So I've got now about 61,000 subscribers on the Sublime Text weekly uh, email newsletter. So that's kind of my story and how I got into it. So, so this is... And I realize there are different kinds of email newsletters and lists, but this is like the Sublime Text newsletter is like a, as you said, sort of a Peter Cooper kind of newsletter, um, where it's once a week with tips and links for people who are using Sublime Text. Yeah, I've done several different formats. I started off with like kind of what you're describing, more like a Peter Cooper style thing where I had had links and everything. I have also experimented with kind of more of a like a tip of the week type of thing where it was just a just a single email um, with one tip and those were really popular but they were a little bit too much work to write every week so i'm back to right now i'm actually back to doing more of the the peter cooper style content curation type of email and that that works really well people seem to like that so when you say it works well like does that mean you get lots of feedback from people that you can sell advertising that you get consulting work like what's you know, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. So I, so for that particular list, my main, the main thing I look at is open rates and click-throughs, just to kind of keep to see how people are liking the content that I'm putting out. Those are not always the best metrics to use. So for that that newsletter, I'm not pitching very often. We do run like an ad for a book here and there in the weekly newsletter, and then every once in a while, I'll do a bigger sale, like um, over. Uh, Black Friday, or sorry, uh, Cyber Monday last year, I got together with a guy named Wes Boss, who also has a book about Sublime Text, and we did this like kind of ultimate Sublime bundle. And uh, we, so this was the first time I'd done like a sale. I did a big sale on it. We were like 65% off, and that ended up going really well. We ended up selling almost $20,000 worth of books in two days. Wow. Yeah, I was happy with how that came out. <laughs> so when, when we kind of, That's... so we, we yeah, we we, uh, we promote, I mainly I'm actually promoting Wes's book and video package right now on my list. And actually, Wes is, at the moment, Wes is helping me. He's putting together most of the newsletters. I've kind of handed that off to him because I've been busy with some other projects. But so mainly I, I look at, I, I just try to keep a keep a pulse on the list from week to week and see, you know, are, are people responding to the content that we're putting out? So it, it, it sounds like also that a big part of this was getting the list promoted, right? Like it's not enough to have the list. You need to have someone or some places or a variety of places getting the word out so that people subscribe. And then at a certain point, I assume it reaches critical mass and people just keep telling their friends and colleagues. 
Yeah, right now I get around 300 signups a month typically, and I'm actually not doing any promotion on that at all right now. That's just kind of organic traffic that I've built up over the the last couple of years. But yeah, definitely getting, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of start to get people coming onto the list. And the way you do it really depends on your, like what you're trying to accomplish with the list. So for this, I was really just trying to promote a particular product. So like if you're promoting something that's more of a topical product like what I have, or you know, if you've got a book on web development or web design or something like that that you want to promote, then this type of newsletter can work really well. And you're going to probably want, like a, a contest like I did can work really well to kind of jumpstart things. You can also do kind of the typical guest blogging type of stuff and blogging on your own site to start to drive traffic to that. I have had a lot of luck using Twitter. Before the contest, my main strategy for building the Sublime list that I had was to curate good content on Twitter, which would get me... I, I was getting a lot of followers from that, and then I'd periodically tweet out an invitation to join my mailing list, and you'd kind of convert people that way. So that's that's a really effective way to do it. For my freelance business, what I'm doing right now is actually I'm going to be using LinkedIn primarily as my um, kind of my way of reaching out to people. And LinkedIn is great because you get, whenever somebody connects with you, you get their email address. Now, you can't just go import them and stick them on a mailing list, but you can reach out to them and say, hey, you know, would you mind if I added you to my email list? Okay. Huh. And so where do you see this going? Where you said you had, uh, by the way, guys, if, if, if Eric and Jonathan, you have questions too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, this. I have a bunch of questions actually, but they're not all a hundred percent related to the email specifically. So I guess I should probably. Well, fire away. Up, but I'm curious <laughs> about the, uh, I've had the same experience with Twitter. I've got a decent chunk of followers, but the conversion rate's insanely low for really yes. anything you out there. Yeah. It's almost a waste of time. I've actually kind of backed away from Twitter because it's not, it's a time suck and it doesn't hold a lot of benefit anymore. It used to be a little bit more useful when there were fewer people on it, but it's so noisy now that I'm not a real fan. So I've been actually moving really strongly in the direction of building up a list and I haven't had a ton. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about this. Yeah, I see, I, I have the same kind of opinion you did about the, you know, you're like, geez, I, I see the difference between the email results and the Twitter results, but I haven't actually executed on the email part of it. So I guess if I was going to ask a question, it would be, what advice would you give someone who's just starting out? Like I've got a thousand names or 1500 names, but I, I'm yeah. not regularly sending information to those people. Okay, and that's this is for your blog then? No, not necessarily. I mean, it'd be more for my business. So, okay. you know, it's like trying to attract people who, let's just say specifically attract uh, people to web, web development training classes for mobile. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah, so is your question mainly about like, how do you get subscribers or what do you do with the super no, subscribers no, you have? Or? Like, how do you, I mean, do you think the Peter Cooper style email is like the be all end all? Cause I see a lot of, a lot of email courses where they'll give you like, you know, an eight day free email course, or they'll give you um, basically a blog post in your inbox once a week. Yeah. Uh, so there's a balance between how much effort you want to put into it every week and what the ROI is. So mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm, like, I, I've typically done the blog post every week, but I don't keep up with it. 
so I've got I've got kind of two different things going I, with my personal blog joshuaearl.com the main thing I'm using that for at the moment is an email course that I wrote about the giveaways that I did over the summer that got me all those email subscribers I'm selling the product that let me do that as an affiliate so I've got what I did is um I have so I used uh, getdrip.com which is fantastic I've tried several different email vendors including um Entreport, which is one of the biggies and they're like 300 300 bucks a month and uh drip is far and away the easiest to use and I highly highly recommend it so what I have there is I've got like you described the 7 day I have like a 5 day course that kind of walks people through the whole process of what I did to run this giveaway and it kind of shows them from not knowing anything about the idea of running giveaways to build your email list it kind of builds up in their mind the desire to buy this product that I used so I'm a big fan of autoresponders so you know these sequences that you can put in place once and then reuse over and over and so that's what I've got going at my personal blog so what happens is people go through this 5 day course and it's you know it's 5 it's 5 days and then they get the end they get a pitch for the product and then I continue to hit them every few days with more information about the product and like how to's and success stories and then like another pitch or two and those kind of gradually taper out they space out farther and farther and then if people show a lot of interest throughout that sequence like they're clicking links and stuff I use a feature in drip to um, it's called uh, leads lead scoring where you tag people you can say okay these people have shown that they're clearly interested in learning more about marketing so I'm gonna put this them on this other list that's just going to kind of go on indefinitely. So they'll get emails from me spaced out indefinitely, you know, as long as I keep adding to the end of that. Uh, and that stuff's all reusable. So you write it once and it just runs. And I, I would highly recommend that. It sounds like for the type of thing that you're doing where you're selling a course, something like that would be a really good way to go. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the weekly write a blog post, send it out once a week type of thing because people coming onto your list later don't get the benefit of that content unless you queue those those up into an autoresponder like I'm describing. Yeah, that's actually what I did is I think I have like 18 months of like weekly emails and there's a mm -hmm. few that I'm writing like just in time, like someone just got it today and I wrote it yesterday, but there's people that are subscribing now that won't get it for like 18 months on. Um, and that's worked really good because it's less stress and I can kind of like skip a week if I need to or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, you're not like, you're less on the hamster wheel. <laughs> you know, and, and it, people won't notice if you miss a week and they're like on the, toward the end of it, they're not going to really notice. It's important to get people, like when people first come onto your list, ideally you'd like to hit them about 10 times within the first two weeks. And again, this depends on the type of list you're building, but if you can hit people about 10 times in that first two weeks, then you really have like imprinted on them and they're not going to forget about you in the future. Um, but what a lot of people do is, you know, you get that welcome email and then like, you know, three months later you get another email from the, who is this person? So the courses, I like courses so much because people are expecting to get an email from you every day for a week or 10 days or whatever the length is. And so that really kind of, it sets an expectation they're not going to be clicking the spam button. And it lets you get your name familiar enough that they're used to seeing it. And after that, you know, you can kind of taper things off and they're, they're not going to forget you over the course of a week or two weeks. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And there's some advanced stuff you can do with that too. Josh, I, I was looking through your site and it looked like you might have done some of this or seen some of the, the training like Perry Marshall has and stuff, but yes, you can do I'm things huge, with like... Huge. Perry Marshall fan. <laughs> yeah, like you yeah. can do things with like open loops where like I'll start one email, I'll talk about, we'll say uh, iOS development. So I'll talk about like say getting started and then at the end I'd kind of leave a cliffhanger of like you started this process, you know, we started building something and we stopped like right when we hit a bug and then next week I'd pick up from that point, continue on, but I'd wrap up at another cliffhanger where it's not quite resolved. And the idea is that from week to week or from email to email, they didn't get a complete like from A to Z. And so in their mind, it's kind of like waiting for that completion psychologically. And so it actually makes people want to read the next one when it comes out. Um, And you can get really deep with that. I have a couple where I kind of put the thought in their head like in one email and I don't actually close it out until six months later. Um, So it's like they want to keep reading to see if I ever close that thought out. Um, And it's pretty interesting to see that over a longer term. Yeah, that's, how much, that's great. Eric, how much work would you say in setup did that take? Did you take like a training class that you already had and you sliced it up? Or was it something like you sat down and said, I'm going to make this monster 18-month trip campaign with just sort of a lot of thought into these arcs that you're describing? Well, arcs is a good word because uh, it's you know story arcs. This is actually what I heard is someone said is, do you like what filmmakers do? Like make a storyboard where they have like these like little sketches of each scene in a movie. Uh, do the same thing for email. Have like, okay, in this first email, I want to talk about this and I want to open the loop about this. The second email, I want to talk about this topic and then close this other loop. And you just kind of plan that out. And for me, it's like one text document and it has like one line per email. And I think I planned out 20 or 30 at first. And it was just like, what topic do I want to write about? And for mine, it's actually freelancer training. So I went through like, okay, when you start freelancing and you don't know anything about it or anything about business, what don't you know? What do you need to know? And just kind of walk through the different steps someone would go through. Um, did that and then just kind of added in the open loops and stuff that, you know, where they would fit or where I think it'd be a good, you know, a good cliffhanger. And sometimes it'd be like, I'd be writing a blog post about something or a newsletter and it'd be 3,000 words, and I would just say, well, let me split into two emails and find a good point to make a cliffhanger and open loop to connect the two. Um, so it's not really that much work. I mean, if you're writing you know, decent-sized blog posts, it's basically the same thing, um, maybe a bit of forethought, or if you do any kind of content planning or like a content calendar for your blog, it's the exact same idea. Really interesting. I mean, I have tons and tons of content. I do tons of webinars, and I just have tons of sample code and slides and example files and I mean I, I definitely have the content it's a question of like oh how do I split this up in a way that's not going to take me a week of slicing and dicing and editing and rewriting and that sort of thing but the way you just described it seems pretty manageable yeah and like lately I also will say a month ago I kind of was you know hit it on roadblock and I ended up just figured like okay what's one like training course I could write like what's one kind of meaty topic I can write about and just wrote uh, three or four emails about it and just kind of linked them together so it's in the main sequence but it's like its own little built-in training course and I'll probably go back and take that out and make that like a public thing so someone can jump right into there before they get into the main stuff I'm going to be doing a lot of kind of slicing and dicing things to make it like uh, like if you ever read them the choose your own adventure books from back in the day heck yeah yeah, I think, so, I, I think okay. Eric, that it was actually on your list that I, I saw, I think it was you, it might have been someone else, but I think it was you, where, like you asked a question, and I saw that like by clicking on it, I got different responses, 
And it was really fascinating to see. Like, it definitely felt much more interactive than a regular email list. Yeah, and part of that's the old... I was using Aweber. I'm on Drip now, and Aweber just... I had to do a bunch of hacks to make it work. But yeah, like, it would be like... I actually tell people up front, like, if you're interested in a topic and you see there's a link there, click it, because you'll get additional bonus content. It's called, you know, you're showing an interest in something. One thing that I actually used that before was, like, you know, if, if it's the the main topic of the email is about getting started and if I'm talking about fear and stuff like that, they can click that link and they get on their own, this own private training course about like overcoming fear or if you have fear, you know, here's how to get around it. So it actually lets me segment out, you know, the subscribers and know like, okay, this group over here is, they're getting started. They have problems like, you know, overcoming their fear, all that stuff. And I can send targeted messages to them or reach out to them directly. These people are scared. <laughs> that actually the segment if if you wouldn't mind me segueing off the segmentation thing i have a list that i've built up over time and it's got a mishmash of people that have been interested in different things and i'd like to split them into you know i'd like to segment them into their interests is that what you do like send out an email that just had three or four different divergent topics like hey if you're into web development, click here. If you're into mobile strategy, click here. And if you're into playing guitar, click here. Well, um, I've done that. Like I've, I've merged a lot of other lists together into one. I used to have like a couple dozen and I sent out an email that had a bunch of that and would tag people like based on what they click. Like if, if you don't care about anything I want, click here to unsubscribe. If you care about this, click this. If you care about, you know, this other thing, click this and, you know, have a note, like you can click as many links as you want. And that's what I did. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you can also go, like, depending if you're on Drip, or I think MailChimp has kind of a clumsy way to do this, too. But with Drip, you can set it up so that you can actually go in. And um, for me, I've got these weekly emails, right, that I'm sending out for my Sublime list. And each of those links that I include has some kind of topical slant. So it might be for JavaScript developers or CSS or whatever. And you can go in and, and just apply the tags after the fact. This is actually a brand new feature that they just added in the last few weeks. Um, yeah, so yeah, cool. I, I, yeah, I went in and I just, I just went in and tagged a bunch of people with, you know, oh, these people look like they're probably web designers, but yeah, you can d- definitely do what you're describing with the the email, like kind of the choose your own adventure thing. Another way to do it that I like is to offer um, more courses. So if you've got an autoresponder set up, and I don't have this implemented just yet on my personal, um, my joshuaearl.com site, but. I'm working on a, a course about using Twitter to build your email list. So I've got people that are already on this kind of this giveaways track. They've demonstrated that they're interested in building their email list with giveaways. So I've got another course that I'm working on that I'm going to offer them. And when they click that, you know, if they click to opt into that, I'll know that they're interested in, you know, this, this other thing. And I'll give them another five to ten day course about a slightly, you know, kind of a related but different topic. And I like to do it that way because you can kind of, you know, people start to um, distort themselves out as they go through your autoresponder sequence. Do you find that you discover, so you're sort of surprised to discover that a whole bunch of people are interested in one thing and not so many are interested in another thing that you thought they might be? You know what I mean? Or is it, is it pretty much mapped to what you would have guessed? Um, you get kind of a feel for it over time, but yeah, I do get surprised from time to time. Like, with Sublime, I thought that, I, for some reason, I was thinking that it was m- going to be more HTML, CSS interest, but JavaScript is far and away the most popular topic on there, which in hindsight, I guess, shouldn't be too, super surprising, but 
surprised me when I first discovered it. So yeah, you definitely get a you definitely and you definitely get a feel over time for what what people respond to. People love themes, for example, just <laughs> changing the colors. Wow. And what about uh, you've mentioned lead magnets a couple of times, and I think you've exclusively talked about courses. Are there other things that you find really really good as a lead magnet? Yeah. So I've done. I do. I do. The courses I think are really really good. You can also do kind of the free report thing. That's been overused to the point where it's a little bit less effective now. I mean, some people even just say, you know, get free tips. And that'll, you'll get some people that way. But definitely it's got to be something more than that if you want to build your list quickly. One approach that I've seen that I've used a couple times that works really well is the content upgrade, where you actually go in and for each, if you have a really popular blog post, you actually you can do this after the fact or beforehand, but you you make the blog post deliberately incomplete, and then you give them some kind you offer them some kind of tool or you know further information if they opt in from that specific blog post. It can be a little clumsy to set up, but it can work really really well. For one of my, my like my most popular blog posts on the Sublime Text site, I think I was getting an opt in rate of like close to fifteen percent on that, and and I've also found that. Uh, Versus, like, instead of doing a big, huge, honkin' ebook, which takes a lot of time and effort to create, that something that's a lot more focused, that's like solves one very specific problem, works a lot better. So you can save yourself a ton of time and, uh, you know, just put together like a one page, like a cheat sheet type of thing. Something really short, easy to absorb. Because if people download an ebook, chances are it's just going to sit on their hard drive and they're not going to read it. Mm, great. Yeah, point. that's, uh, that's something uh, Clay Collins from Lead Pages. Uh, yes, he basically talks about. I've had good results with that. Not a huge amount of numbers, but like I would actually go back to old posts and add them in. But I mean, it's the kind of thing. Like I had a, I had a blog post talking about deploying to a ser- deploying a Rails app to a server, and the free thing you would download was like the three hosts I recommend for Rails hosting, and it's like maybe two sentences of content per each of the three, and it's nicely designed and all that. And you know, that's all you have to do. It's pretty simple. Anyone can get it, digest it take the actual recommendations and get value from it within like five minutes. Yeah, and lead pages, actually, I have lead pages as well, and that's actually the main reason why, because with lead pages, you can make these kind of like one-off sign-up forms that let you just send out something like that, like just a one-off freebie, versus like with if you're on MailChimp, oh my gosh, it's such a pain. to. I don't even know if it's possible, honestly, to implement this on MailChimp, because you've got you got to figure out a way to make your welcome email different for different uh, opt-ins, opt-in uh, forms. Yeah, I wasn't you can do it in Aweber. It. Yeah. Like, and that's that's the problem in Aweber. You have to make a whole new list for each one yes. with a new welcome yep. email. And that's where like, that's where I had like dozens of lists because I had you know, a bunch of these yeah. giveaways. Yeah, with Drip, you can do like different campaigns and just make them a, a one email campaign there where they just send out that one welcome message. So let me ask you guys a philosophical thing because you're obviously way more into this than I have been. Are you trying to drive people to your website, or are you using your website to drive people to your email list? Like, is there, you know what I mean? Like, what's the website even for? So, in my SEO. opinion, yeah, yeah. Actually, in my opinion, right. the the list is the ultimate destination. Everything that I do, I try to point at my list because that's really the only place that I can reliably build a relationship with people. So, for the website. My main goal with the website is to, is to put content out there that is going to be SEO friendly 
because like you get this problem where if you're trying to really build a relationship with people, the type of content that does really well in SEO is often not great for relationship building. It tends to be like these really long how to de detailed how to blog posts and stuff. And you can bond with people a little bit through that type of thing, but it's much more effective if you can use that kind of thing to bring people in. Get them on your email list and then send them emails that are more, a little bit more emotional content. And that is where, that's where the relationship really forms, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the same for me. Like wow. Naomi Dunford from Idiviz, she had a, I don't know if it's still around, but she had a course about like, you know, figuring out your blog stuff. And it's like, part of that is you really sit down and there's, I think, nine different options you would choose of like, you know, I want my blog to do this. Like, you want to build a big community on the blog with tons of comments or whatever. And for me, like, the primary purpose of my blog is to get newsletter subscribers. And the reason why is because, like Josh was saying, once they're a newsletter subscriber, it's easier to build a relationship. It's easier to build trust. And so I took off comments. I put a lot of opt-in, um, not boxes, but I made it easy for someone to find a way to opt-in, all that stuff. And the purpose of the list then becomes to, you know, depending on what the list is for, is to like help people out, establish my authority, and then increase product sales. You know, like... That's kind of my focus. And so, you know, my website is just like the public tip of the iceberg as far as like the content I produce. So, so it, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, that your goal is to get people on the email list because then you'll be able to have this ongoing relationship with them. And somehow or other, they will then connect with you and want to buy your products and services. And the, the website is a way of, as you said, SEO, letting people find a lot of different ways onto your list. Yeah, it's to turn the anonymous visitor that you see in Google Analytics into an actual person. Exactly, because right. the web's not two-way. It's like anonymous. And, and when I look at the analytics, I use MailChimp right now, but I'm switching to Drip because you guys are not the first ones to tell me how great it is. <laughs> but when you look at your Google Analytics compared to like even in MailChimp, like I know exactly who clicked on what. That's crazy. Compared to Google, where you're just like flying blind. You're like, oh, okay, there's like five people on this page right now. Big, like, What am I supposed to do about that? Nothing. You can't do anything. So I, I, exactly. I'm, a, yeah. I'm sold. A lot of people tend to think that, oh, you know, this organic traffic I'm getting from Google is really great, you know, high quality traffic. But that's that, and that, I've not actually seen that to be the case. Like, Google is consistently my worst, my, well, one of my worst traffic sources in terms of getting people onto my email list. Like, if 3% of the people, like, you work your butt off to get, people to come to your website and then like only three percent even care enough about what you're doing to hear more about it on a regular basis like that's just not i want to put my effort into building the relationships with the people that care about what i'm saying enough to want to stick around yeah i've, I've been sort of fascinated i mean i have an email list now for i've been taking it seriously for maybe about three four months maybe even a little less and even during that time i've been fascinated to see how much more interactive it is that people respond to me. Like, I mean, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, I've been writing a column every month in Linux journal for like 20 years now. And I think that I have received more responses to my email newsletter in two months than I have in 20 years of writing a column. Um, and part of that is because I think I've adopted some of the techniques that people have taught about always have questions and encourage people to write you and so on and so forth. And they're right there in their email program so they can. But I definitely think that there's something more intimate and more special about the newsletter that people feel like, yeah, I want to respond. I want to tell them what I think. And I feel like I know much more about what people want. And and beyond that, I mean, 
I was always sort of skeptical about these email sending programs. I use Aweber, whether it's Aweber and MailChimp or so forth. And I said, oh, come on. I can just use, like, I can just set up an email list with uh, Mailman or whatever, Google Groups. And I see, like, the massive difference that you can see the open rates. You can see what people are clicking on. You can see what's interesting to people and what's not interesting to people. But it sounds to me like Drip is as far ahead of Aweber and MailChimp as those are ahead of standard a- email list programs. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah. It's, it's pretty far ahead. Yeah, I think for me, so after I switched to Drip, Mail, MailChimp came out with a bunch of automation stuff. So I haven't looked into that too much. But for me, Drip takes a lot of the feature. It has some features that the others don't have. But it really, for me, the biggest difference is the UI and that I can actually get it's it's easy to use, and I can actually, you know, I can talk to Rob, <laughs> you know, and Rob actually will, you know, build features based on user requests versus, like, ignoring them and them falling into the black hole. Yeah, Jip's best feature right now is Rob, who, if you don't know, he's the founder. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. They're, they're, their whole team is awesome. By the way, I'll just, I'll just say also, I've been listening to Startups for the Rest of Us, Rob's podcast for a while, and I remember listening to it while he was going through the development of Drip. And I kept rolling my eyes saying, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, he's he's doing this thing for, like, email automation. How serious and sophisticated could it be? And it seems to me that, well, he actually explored this business pretty well. And everyone I've heard talk about Drip is just, like, raving about it. So it sounds like he did a good job of listening to people and putting in features they need and continuing to do that. Well, and one thing that's really interesting, it's in Drip at least, and I know there's other ones that you do this too, so it's not just a Drip show, but is the lead scoring. I think it's beta right now in Drip. I was talking with Rob and he says he's just, he's rolling it out and there's, I've actually seen a few bugs here and there. But the idea is it's basically a score from, I think it's zero to a hundred, but it can go above a hundred. And it's when someone signs up, they like, they get a score of 40. And then how they interact with you and your list, that score goes up or down. If they subscribe, but don't ever open your emails, don't ever do anything. It goes down, like, say, whatever, three points a week or whatever. But if someone replies, uh, opens your emails, clicks your links, all that, the score goes up. And the idea is, this is like kind of a salesforce side, is, you know, if you have a limited amount of time, you can go and say, who are the people that have a lead score of 60 or above? And you could send them, like, a personal email, or you can give them a special coupon code, or you can treat them as your better customers because they are interacting with you more. They have more of that engagement. Um, and the nice thing is Drip has that, it's pretty well integrated in there. And uh, I worked with Rob on the automation stuff. There's a lot you can do in there. And I, I'm pretty sure you could even do like triggers. Like once this subscriber hits, you know, a lead score of 80 or above, you know, send them a special email like automatically. Or uh, I think something he's going to do is like, you know, have an email, you know, the salesperson or something. Right. And so what I'm yeah, going to do is the idea is I'm, I'm have two training courses for like my freelance business stuff. So it's not, not my products. Um, I'm going to build more of those and hook it up so that as people get interested, their lead scores are going to go up and it's going to tell me like, hey, this person's engaged and I can follow up with them. So I don't have to like go out and chase leads. They can sign up for my list and then I can kind of proactively reach out to them. Um, in fact, uh, just yesterday, I got someone who subscribed to my list and contacted me about a project. So like that's already starting to pay off and I've only had it in place for a week or so. This is really wild. I, like the whole thing is flipping, I feel like it's, is is this new or am I just starting to notice it? Like it's, whole, it's, it's, it's not new. <laughs> it's funny you mention that, John, it's funny, because I've also, like, I've heard a ton in the last, say, year. It seems uh, to be, yeah, it seems to be growing now, or at I, least in my communities it is. 
I you know, kept hearing about email lists and so forth. And suddenly, really, in the last year, I feel like everyone's saying, what? You don't have an email list? You must do this. And it was years ago that a friend of mine told me about AWeber. I was like, oh, come on. Like, what could they really do? And I started to see this. I'm also wondering, though, I mean, Eric and Josh, do you think we've we've sort of reached peak email list, <laughs> right? Like, have we reached the point? <laughs> have we reached the point where, like, there's a there's a limit as to how many email lists people can subscribe to and how engaged they can be. So, okay, here's a question. Is it, have we, have we reached peak book? Have we reached peak learning? Have we done everything <laughs> there is? I mean, that's the, the real question isn't like, have you subscribed to too many lists? It's have you subscribed to the lists that are giving you value and you want to open versus just the junk list? Right. And there's also the, another component is that like, yeah, maybe there's like 10 email lists about Angular or something, AngularJS, but you know what? You, you, the, people get to know you and they want to hear your take on it. So, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a, I could go off and on where I'm on a ton of kind of internet marketing type of lists and then I'll unsubscribe from a whole bunch. And I've got like, there's a handful that I'll probably never unsubscribe from. And so, yeah, people come and go, but no, I don't think, I don't think we've hit the peak yet. Google keeps trying to, uh, to kill this by like the, the uh, promotions tab was their latest. They, they rolled that out last year. They, they kind of started to filter out a lot of the mass emails like we sent. But no, people, you know, pe- the people that want this stuff, uh, it's growing, definitely. It seems... And I mean, as, as far as history-wise, I'm Infusionsoft is like, it's, they're a huge software company. I don't remember, like, you're paying multiples of what you would pay to anyone else. They've been doing kind of this email automation, sales automation stuff for a long time. AWeber's been around, I think since the 90s, I don't remember. I think what's happened is, I mean, this is internet technology in general. All internet innovation, well, most internet innovation starts in the porn industry and the internet marketing industry because that's where the money is. And then it slowly leaks through. This stuff I'm talking about now is from a training I took two years ago that was, I think, three years old at the time. So, you know, it's kind of more mainstream, at least in the developer, you know, tech circles now, but it's actually, internet marketers have been using this stuff for several years if not a dozen years already yeah. Um, yeah at least 10 for sure yeah and so and so like you know the the general public might start using it in you know another five or six years it's just it's where you're at like kind of on the adoption curve and what industry too i believe all that but it it is such a it's kind of a sea change for someone like me who has a web development background because it positions your website which is the main thing that you think about as a fairly low value endeavor and that yep. it's something that is really not worth spending too much time on and just like put something up there in wordpress and like put your content out there and try and feed everybody into this email list which is it's almost uh counterintuitive because it's invisible content to anyone who's not on the list so there's something there's always something about the web and I'm 46 so when the web came out I was like I was already well into my adult you know age range and I was like this is the most awesome thing ever you know this coming from a guy who used to go around with paper flyers stapling them to telephone poles to get people to come to my shows <laughs> so like the internet was like you got to be kidding me the web is the best thing ever because it's like someone in Japan can see this you know like but someone from Japan's not coming to my show so on the one hand it was like so awesome and so new and different and powerful compared to what we had before it. But now I feel like the pendulum's almost swinging back a little bit, being like, yeah, I have a placeholder page here and there. It doesn't really matter if it's hosted on your own domain or on lead pages. Who cares? 
just get them on your email list so you can interact with them directly. But I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's definitely a shift. And then it calls into question all of the, I'm assuming that you guys don't bother with HTML emails other than just for click tracking. You know, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're not doing like these big, huge, like image heavy designed emails. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So yeah, like, so it, it calls the whole notion of web design into question. Like what's the value of spending a ton of time on web design? Why not spend 10 bucks on a WordPress theme and be done with it? Well, it also depends. Like for myself, I'm not good at design and I'm, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, like learning it either. I care more about the content, the, the writing and that aspect. So like I said earlier, like the stuff from Itty Biz, like my blog is kind of a generic WordPress theme. It's a good one, but it's very generic. It's just like even a single column. And I have it. So like, you know, I could use just basically any website. I could use, I used actually the default WordPress tem- themes for a little while just with different colors to match my branding. And I was fine with that. And that's my choice because I want people on the list and I want to build a relationship and all that on there. But, you know, look at, uh, what is it, Groupon or Kickstarter. Like, they have very nice websites, but they heavily rely on their email list to get you back to their very nice website. So it all depends on what strategy you want to do. Um, if you could right. still do the, the you know, like what you're talking about, where you have a very good, very well put together, very well designed site, and your email list could just be a, basically the you know, the more socially acceptable version of RSS, like, hey, I have a new a new post about XYZ, click here to go there. And that's all it is. I was going to ask you what you thought about that. Like, because there are definitely some email lists I'm on where they say, it's my new weekly newsletter. I have a new posting on my blog. <laughs> like, is that acceptable? I mean, I think there's nothing really wrong with it. I think you're, if you're doing that, though, you're not really using the power of what you've got. I mean, at that point, you're turning your email list into another traffic source for your blog. And that's kind of, in my opinion, that's backwards. It still gets people engaging with you regularly. So there's definitely benefit to that. I mean, I wouldn't, I would do that over not doing anything. Yeah. And actually, that's, I like that for, people who are getting started with email, like they're not ready to make a separate email strategy, but they want to get people on the list and actually keep people slightly engaged. That's like a good interim step or like literally if you don't have the time to do stuff. I actually have a certain segment of people on my list where in addition to the weekly training, they'll get new blog posts I put out. So like you can you can mix and match them, but I would agree it's it's not the best use of the email list and your resources, but if that's all you can do, that's all you can do. I'm curious, I don't think we really talked about this too much, what's a good source? Let's say I want to start an email list, right? Or let's say I wanted to grow my email list. And my list has been growing, but not by leaps and bounds. What are some good strategies I can employ to get it to really grow? And not just with like, you know, spammy growth, but people who are really interested in what I'm doing. So for me, um, aside from the giveaway thing that I did, the most effective ways that I've found have been Twitter. Like I mentioned, where I, I was basically curating content tweeting out stuff several times a day, actually, and picking up a lot of new Twitter followers from that, and then periodically pushing those people to go sign up for my newsletter. So that has worked really well for me. Uh, another strategy that, I, that has worked really well, and not all, all blogs will let you do this, but if you can get a guest post on a really good blog that's high traffic, and they will allow you to link to your newsletter, or to some, ideally to some kind of premium that's related to the topic of the blog post, that can work really, really well. That's actually the main way that I'm growing my joshuaearl.com list right now. I got a blog post. I wrote a blog post about the giveaway that I did, and I, I convinced um, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income to let me post it up there as a guest post. And he was kind enough to let me link back to my site 
And what I did was I have I got a um, a coupon code for that plugin, and so everybody that reads that blog post on Smart Passive Income gets offered this coupon code. They click through, they sign up for my newsletter, and I send it to them via the newsletter. Then I also drip out more content about that WordPress plugin. So in the future, that's probably the main thing that I'm going to be doing is looking for uh, high traffic blogs that will let me you know, are, are, are going to let me actually link out to my site in my newsletter. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and kind of in the interest of, like, giving a strategy instead of stuff that, like, might, you know, not work, like, say, an SEO, when SEO stops working. Any kind of marketing, any kind of way to get, you know, quote, traffic to your site that has worked or can work, that's basically how you can build your newsletter stuff. If, as long as you're providing enough value on the front end and you have, you know, you give people ways to join your newsletter those can work and they'll work differently. Like I've had very poor success getting Twitter to product sales, but getting Twitter to signups has worked really good for me. You know, I haven't done guest stuff, but you know, just regularly blogging, you know, it's a small trickle, but it can, you know, that works too. Um, I've even done AdWords for I think six months and that worked reasonably well. I don't think the people were as engaged because, you know, they didn't know me, they didn't have a little bit of trust, but that worked really well. And I don't remember. I stopped just because I didn't have time to manage it, but it was well worth, you know, the cost of getting a subscriber on at that point. So, I mean, almost any traffic strategy could work. And so, you know, in 10 years from now, if there is no more blogs or anything like that, like whatever's current at that time, it's probably going to be able to work for email. What, what do you put on Twitter to get people to subscribe? Do you just say subscribe to my mailing list or is it just links to the latest posts? Oh, I, I use Twitter lead gen cards. So they're, they're, um, they developed this for the Twitter ads and it's, a special tweet that you can send that has a, a one-click subscribe option. So it's super easy. Like when people are on, you know, people, I think 75% or 73% of Twitter users are on the iOS client. So they're not, you know, these people are on mobiles. They do not want to click through to a website and fill out a form. So if you can give them a one-click subscribe option, that works really, really well. And you can set that up with Drip or MailChimp or any other email provider. That's really neat. I had no idea that was possible. And that actually has a, a reasonable ROI or a reasonable response rate? Yes, actually. I um, So I tweeted out, well, I did an accidental experiment a few months ago where I, I had like 13,000 Twitter followers. And I tweeted out a link to, like a hard-coded link to an opt-in form. And then like a couple hours later, I was actually getting these lead cards set up. So I think I got like I tweeted out to 13,000 people and I got like five signups. So that kind of gives you an idea of what, you know, the quote unquote power of, of Twitter. <laughs> so I did that. And then a couple hours later, I was setting up this lead card for the first time and I accidentally tweeted it out and I got like 50 signups within like five minutes or something. It was insane. Wow. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a much higher conversion rate on those and they, um, you can use them for free. You can also pay Twitter to put them in front of people. If you don't have a big following, what about Facebook? It seems like Facebook is kind of more similar to Facebook ads because they'd be—I've never used them, but it seems like you'd be able to more directly target them. So, if you're trying to sell a Sublime Text Tips book, presumably people would mention on Twitter in their profile that they're a JavaScript developer, and you'd be able to target that group specifically. Have you ever ever tried that? I've done a little bit with Facebook ads. They can work really, really well for some businesses. I didn't have a lot of luck with my Sublime stuff with Facebook. But, um, yeah, they can work really, really well for businesses. It tends to be businesses that are more identity-driven. Like, if you had a, you know, a book about how to eat paleo, oh, my goodness. Like, that would be killer on Facebook. 
technical stuff, you know, it can work, it, it, it cannot work, it depends. And Facebook's also gotten, both Facebook and Google lately have gotten super strict about letting you promote opt-in forms. They try to, they will, they'll just ban your account if you're not super careful. So, just Meaning that up. they don't want you to advertise away off their platform. That's my opinion, yes. I think that they don't want... Yeah, basically, it if it works... <laughs> it seems like if it works and it in the long run makes you less dependent on them, they are you know eager to ban you. I think a lot of, a lot of the side of it is if you're jumping to a product from an ad, Google and Facebook can actually see the entire thing. They can see what you're trying to sell them. If you send people to an opt-in and then have off the web of like how you're selling the product, someone might sign up for you know a paleo book and then the marketer who has the list ends up sending like all of these like really spammy emails, that's gonna reflect bad on Google. But Google will never know that. Like their their spider can't crawl into your your well, I don't think it can. Uh, can't get into your email <laughs> and see what it's doing. So I think that's the other side of it. It's like clamping down on the content, clamping down on the you know, the misuse of it or the misleading of advertising. Well I think I'm echoing Ruben saying that this is a completely fascinating trend. I mean I, I get you guys that it's a decades old. I mean it's direct mail. But yeah. Right. Uh, which, <laughs> but which isn't, de- which isn't dead, by the way, either. Yeah, that's not dead either. But so it's not new. But I feel like it's being applied. It's probably just in my circles, and it's a sea change for people like me. Let me put it like that. It's a major, major shift. Just uh-huh. to say that your website is basically the what my website for me has always been the final destination. Push everybody to the website, but now it's more like the very, very lame top of the funnel. Yeah, it's it's, yep. been fa- it's it's really been fascinating for me. And I'll, I'll tell you one one more thing. Like, uh, and again, I'm I'm like taking baby steps with my email list, but I wasn't really sure what people wanted me to write about, and I wasn't really sure sort of what topics people were interested in, in terms of future products. So I got this great suggestion: Why don't you do a survey? So I sent out like I put up a survey on SurveyMonkey, and I sent out uh, you know link to my list. I said, Hey, please tell me what you want to hear about. And people responded, and people responded with extra comments and everything. And it was amazing. Like, basically, people wrote for me what my next product should be. And then I said, what do you think of this new product? And people said, wow, what a great idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't come up with it, did I, guys? But that sort of interaction is just amazing. And I see that it, it provides a really tight loop with the subscribers. And they feel more invested. And, and it's just great for everyone. Do you guys have any advice for people who do a lot of public speaking or like this podcasts? What's the call to action to sense, you know, if I'm on stage talking about something, you know, do I just push them to uh, a landing page on my site or do I go for it and say, email me at, or do I say, text me at? Yeah, if you want to get fancy about it, I have not looked into this myself because I don't do a lot of public speaking at the moment, but... There are services you can get where people can text their email address to a number and get automatically opted in. You give them some kind of giveaway. So if it were me, I would try to come up with something specific to the talk that I was doing and offer that as as a giveaway and set up something like that. The less friction there is, the more people are going to follow through. And I've heard of people getting, you know, 60%, 70% of the room to sign up. And those are really high quality people because they've, traveled you know some distance to come hear you what you have to say yeah yeah my I experience mean, with conversions in a live speaking engagement is very high yeah i don't i'm probably not going to do public speaking in the near future but if i did i would have a custom landing page at the end for the people 
Um, I would give away my slides for free, but I would say if you opt in, you can get maybe a talking head video plus the slides of me during a practice session going through the content. So you get you get a recording of the similar content right away. Um, maybe give a PDF transcript of what you said. And then if you can figure out some kind of bonus, like if you talk about mobile stuff, like, you know, a PDF about like, you know, different mobile something, something, whatever. And I mean, I've, I've been, I think at MicroConf, a couple of people had like, oh yeah, one guy was like, he was just launching a new training course on a, a certain topic that was targeted toward business owners who were at MicroConf. And it was very, very good. He had a very good presentation, very good content. And I mean, I think everyone in the room, when he put up the page, everyone put their head down and like the entire room was opting in. And that's, you know, two, three, four hundred opt-ins in the span of two minutes. Yeah, live speaking is great Amazing. for that stuff. That's a, I love the talking head idea because you have to do that in preparation anyway. Why not just record it? Yeah, and I mean, you could even do like, you know, director's cut or bonus features because from what I understand, a lot of people have to cut things. And if, if you're recording the video, you don't have to do that. So That's great. I like the yeah, director's the cut of a conference talk. <laughs> If we don't have any more uh, questions or comments, I think we should wrap up and move to the picks. All right. So, Eric, got any picks for us this week? Okay. So, one pick is from Nathan Powell. It's a an article called Jobs to be Done and Jobs that are Simply Done. It's a really good article. It kind of talks about, uh, I think everyone kind of gets this feeling of, you know, when you look back over the past week or month or sometimes even a year, it feels like you actually didn't do much. And so, he talks about some of his experience with that and then how he kind of has shifted his mindset around it. Um, and I've done something similar actually in the, this year alone. So I recommend reading it and trying it out. Uh, second pick, uh, I've been basically scaling up my running to get ready for a couple of races. And I've been trying to figure out like how to carry food, water, all that. And so a couple of weeks ago, I bought something called a flip belt. Um, it's basically kind of an elasticized piece of fabric that goes around your waist and has like four little pockets. So it has, it's like a tube, but you, you can put stuff in it, kind of put it all the way around your waist. And it's actually working really, really well. This last week I ran basically a marathon distance. Um, it was almost a six hour run just with this and two water bottles. So you can actually carry a significant amount. You don't have to have like a big pack on or worry about like aid stations and stuff like that. The marketing for it is very focused towards females, but if you get the black one, like it actually looks fine on me. Um, and obviously I'm not a female. But it's it's nice. It's very comfortable. It's the one thing I found that actually doesn't like ride up or fall off when you're running. So I actually highly recommend. It. I've been testing it for a while. Excellent, Jonathan. Any picks for us? The rose gold Apple Watch for seventeen thousand dollars. I think that that would be my pick for the week. <laughs> uh, no, since we were talking about marketing from the stage, I've been experimenting with a product called Easy Texting easytexting.com, which in my research is the easiest one for doing the kind of from the stage call to action where they give you, you know, you could say a short code, like my short code right now is hamburger because I'm about to go do a talk for a, a, uh, a restaurant, chain restaurant industry conference. So I'm going to tell everyone in the room to text hamburger to 313131 and they'll get like an automatic, automated drip series, which is just for example, that I'm going to demo for them. But if you did that, dear listener, you would see that it automatically responds and you could automatically sign people up to a list, ask for an email address. Uh, so I'm experimenting with that. I think it's pretty interesting. And I've tried several different products. So if you're into trying to do different kinds of SMS marketing, which I think is incredibly powerful, easytexting.com is a great place to start. I think it's the best one. It's the best one I've found. Very nice. Josh, 
Do you have any picks with you for uh, the podcast? I do, yeah. I've got a couple here. So um, we mentioned Perry Marshall earlier, early on. Um, I he, He's one of my favorite just marketing people, and I, I, I really uh, connected with him because he's an engineer, and so he tends to take, you know, he's, he's an internet marketing type, but he does not have a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of scammy, hypey feel to him. Um, he's got two courses that are really good. They're expensive, but if you're serious about this type of thing, they're definitely worth checking out. One is a, um, it's called the Look Over Perry's Shoulder Email Writing Course, and it's like it's about five hundred bucks, I think. But it is like a three-hour walkthrough where he sits down with people and like picks apart their business and then writes emails for them, and it's like it's fantastic. It's a great, it's kind of a copywriting crash course. And then going up to an even more expensive product, he's got auto. It's called Autoresponder Bootcamp. And it's about the the cheapest package I think is about uh, nine ninety seven or something, but it's like a, it's a two day seminar that he did of all about how he sets up his email lists and covers most of the, like a lot of the stuff that we talked about here. So those are both worth checking out. They're expensive, but you know that's the type of investment that really can pay off in the long haul. So on a on a more personal level, I have had a problem for a long time. Uh, ever since I was a teenager, where I had like a, I have a severe pain um, under my left shoulder blade, and um, it's basically I've come to find out it's been caused by trigger points and knots in my back muscles, and I discovered this really cool um, massage ball called the Beastie Ball, and it's this hard as a rock little nasty thing with with spines on it, and you kind of put it on the ground, you, you lay on it, you put pressure on the the pressure points, and it's like giving yourself a massage. So definitely that has made my week a lot of fun. I've been experimenting with that. And uh, last one here is something I don't have yet, but I'm excited about. I uh, signed up this week for, or I bought a, uh, it's called a text blade. It's a new keyboard for iPhone, iPad, and it's pretty amazing. Like they've, I don't know how it's going to work out in practice, but they basically have this keyboard that snaps apart and fits into about the space of like two packs of gum side by side and they've really rethought the whole keyboard experience and um, I'm a sucker for writing and, and good keyboards so uh, yeah it's worth checking out that's at waytools.com excellent and I've got one pick for this week uh, I've been involved in relaunching my book and putting together packages and as part of that I got a recommendation from a friend of mine to use Gumroad for purchasing handling the purchases I was using get DPD before, and they were fine and they were nice, but oh my goodness, Gumroad is just over the top amazing, both in terms of their I mean, you've probably, if you've bought anything online in the last year or two I don't know how long they've been around, but you've almost certainly used Gumroad at some point, and their interface is so nice and so easy for users and it turns out, for product creators it is similarly easy and nice and I emailed their uh, support people and they got back to me right away I was very, very impressed, so uh, for this week I'm going to pick Gumroad and um, I think that wraps it up for the show. So thanks, Josh, so much for joining us. I certainly learned a ton. Hope our listeners did, too. And Thank you for uh, we, having me. And we will see everyone next week when hopefully Chuck is back. Bye, everyone. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. 
Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the Freelancer Show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a forum that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash forum.